0: This is the Mr. J Underground Podcast Network. Recorded Hideaway Studios, Hemlock, Michigan. You're chilling with Mr. J. Chilling with Mr. J. I'm Mr. J. The Chilling with Mr. J podcast may contain language not suitable for children. Also, the thoughts expressed by Mr. J in the Chillin' with Mr. J podcast are that of only Mr. J. You can find the Chillin' with Mr. J podcast on Podbean.com, Apple, and Spotify. Please subscribe, follow, rate, review, and comment. You can also follow all the Chillin' on Instagram at Chillin' underscore with underscore Mr. underscore J. That's Chillin' with Mr. J and all the fucking underscores on Instagram. Oh yeah, there is also the Chillin' with Mr. J voicemail hotline. That number is 989-372-6169. Call it, leave a message, tell me I suck, you love it, talk shit, ask a question, or maybe you want to come chill. Anything goes, so just call and leave a message at 989-372-6169. Okay, today we have our first in studio guest. I did my best just to kind of make it as chill and relaxed and just conversation as possible. I recorded it and I did my best to turn it into some sort of episode format to give you a podcast. So, without further ado, I would like to welcome the first in studio guest at the Hilltop Hideaway Studio, Dr. Craig Douglas sir how are you
1: i'm well thanks All for right. having me out you've got a great place out here
0: yeah thank you awesome. i appreciate it we we're trying to get her going and she's still a little outdated but uh we're working towards um towards bringing her into the now times but people like the country elegance of it so and
1: it's not that far out
0: here it's no close. it takes me five six minutes to get from my house so that's in hemlock takes me five six minutes to get to myers which is shield so i mean you're close you know midland you know you're you're not too far away we're finally easing back into people being able to communicate so it's nice to nice to have people actually in person so are you actually retired now or are you just still your third time out of retirement for i know (laughs) i think you retired back when i was retired from high school (laughs) Didn't you? It wasn't that about that time, and then it's been no, 20 years since then? No,
1: not quite. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I catch a lot of uh, flack for it, and I, and I, it's good natured, and I appreciate it. So I, I, I retired from K-12 public school administration in 2013. Mm-hmm. Joan and I made a commitment. We both retired that year, and we were going to then do a lot of service which we started to do with the Amass House of Saginaw. I don't know how much you want me to get into that, but that's a fascinating organization. started by two nuns back in 1987, and it's a series of homes for women out of jail, prison, and rehab. So we started a a bunch of service activities with the Amass House. Actually, uh, Sister Marietta Fritz, who was one of the co-founders, uh, recruit us as board members. And to be honest with you, I didn't even know they had a board, but as a nonprofit, they did. So I was in the middle of that and had an opportunity to do some project work for a nonprofit in Mount Pleasant uh, related to educational issues. That, that group is a strong group. It's called the Institute for Excellence in Education. So around that first year of retirement, Jay, I was happy. Um, Joan and I were together a lot doing these things. And then I had an opportunity to go to Saginaw Valley State University. And we talked about it. I prayed about it. I thought, okay, is this really something I I should do? And I thought, yeah, why not? You know, I still had fire in my belly. And it was an opportunity that I never thought would come my way. And I was so grateful to Don Bashan for the chance to go to Saginaw Valley. Worked there four years in the College of Education. Actually finished the the final three as dean of the College of Education. and. I'll be honest with you, I think the reason I had that opportunity is because I had the doctorate. When I finished the doctorate, it was uh, when I first came to Carleton, you know, at the time it was a grind-out thing. And I I really didn't expect anything tangible back, but that was a tangible thing Mm -hmm. back, that opportunity. And it gave me a chance to reconnect with undergraduate students. And I will tell you, the kids going into teaching today are more dedicated than I was. They've had to work harder for it than I did because the educational profession has taken such a, a chop in the, in the blocks over the years, and they've had to be persistent. And so I was at the university for four years, uh, retired in 2018, and since that time, I've really ramped up uh, the work at the Mass House with my wife. In fact, over the uh, Labor Day weekend, we worked on a couple of grants. We're happy to do Thanks. that as service. Yeah. and then. I'm on
0: TV once a week. Yeah, oh, I was gonna say you're <laughs> famous on TV five with well, the education. So you were the you were the dean of the pub, the school of education. Yeah, not the whole, no. not the whole no. university, but right. just the, the school of the, the educational section. Right,
1: the education college used to be the biggest and actually shrank to be the smallest. Okay. and I was the dean of the college of Ed
0: And then it's funny you say that because I always thought it was the Emma's yeah. house. Yeah, and I always thought it was battered women
1: it's very similar a lot of them have been battered jail prison or rehab okay. high percentage of them in poverty high percentage of them had addiction
0: so basically you give them places to live and rebuild and start yeah. their lives
1: yeah. it would be like again. the last chance to get right. turned
0: around right. like you're out again one more time yeah. this is it let's get it together here's a home here's other people going through what you're going through let's yeah. unbelievable
1: how strong
0: these women are Oh, for sure. And especially if you have other people going through it and you see people, I can imagine that makes it easier than being, hey, it's just me and I'm the only one here that's like this because everybody else is someone that is not like me. So, yeah. Cool. Awesome. So, your start in education was, where did you work? Teaching right nearby here in Chesney. Chesney, okay. I was a math
1: teacher. Okay. Coached uh, freshman football.
0: Oh, awesome. I do not know that. For five
1: years. I loved it. Used to come up here to Hemlock to scout. We hated Amon
0: right because yeah. they were so damn good. Back then, yeah, a bunch yeah. of farm boys Bob just playing Wallace. football. and. Oh, yeah.
1: man, the, and, and so fast, and they so, ran that Full House tee and the Deception. What year
0: was that, roughly? 74, 74 to that's 79. When, that's when you started then? Yeah, okay.
1: and uh, worked my way up through uh, basketball. I got an eighth-grade basketball job, and then I went to freshman, and then J.D., and I got the, the bug to be a varsity basketball coach, okay. and so I uprooted. And moved to Big Rapids and coached varsity basketball and varsity baseball there for seven years.
0: Okay, so that's why you always like the basketball. Uh, well, that's why that's always been a yeah. thing because you're just coach and you yeah. like to just watch the basketball. Yeah.
1: And I could get that coaching voice, you know, and get into the refs yeah. a little bit when need be. Obviously,
0: I know coaches or teachers still do it, but back then, I mean, you basically almost – to survive as a teacher now you could be a teacher maybe do something on the internet or have another avenue to make some money back then you would almost have to coach if you were going to be a teacher and like support a family i know my dad did it all the way up until principal and then you know you kind of have beggar you can't really do it anymore because of you know your dad's a great example
1: he's a fine educator and our paths were similar i mean he worked his way into administration i made that decision after 12 years of teaching and it wasn't that I was upset with teaching, but as you said, financially it made sense. And I had the degrees, and I felt kind of this uh, obligation, if you will, to use it. And right. not just say I got a master's. I mean, and you worked hard to learn it. it. Why not? Why not use it? Yeah, exactly. And I learned to enjoy administration very much. Right. That's where I had a chance to meet great students like yourself, and your brother Matt, and others come up through the ranks. And now to see you as adults, that's, that's such a great joy.
0: I wanted to do like a little thing at the golf outing for like a little, uh, I was going to do like a tribute to my dad, get some, I got some stuff, but it just didn't feel, I'm going to do it, but in a different setting. That kind of setting didn't feel right. I want to go and talk to people where they're more of their mind to think of what they're saying and let them know, not just spring it on people, let them think of what they want to say. But anyway, one of my questions that I wanted to know would be like, okay, if my dad, let's say if he didn't retire by this time and he was still, principal of the elementary you know him pretty well obviously colleagues and friends and you know him very well what kind of his thoughts would be on the whole covid and the continued education
1: well your dad is one of the strongest guys i ever got to work with so i think he'd be very persistent and i don't think he would put up with any kind of whining or feeling sorry for ourselves he was also one of the most innovative educators, and I don't know how, how much you know about this, but the last year that I worked would have been the 2012-2013 school year, and Mark led the charge to bring iPads in.
0: Yeah, I know he was innovative. I know he, um, what the hell was it? It wasn't an iPad. It was like my daughter, do- the girls, my, my daughter and mom, my brother's oldest, were just, they were the only two little girls, and they were young, and they were, it was like a, some digital learning tool, and he oh, yeah. was like, you know, that's gonna—it's where it's all going. They gotta learn computers and phones, and that's where it's gonna be. And that sure was, his was attitude. I mean,
1: uh, textbooks were going to be fading away. We need to get access to the internet and access to learning tools on software. And so he not only brought iPads to Carlton, he also brought the professional development to go with it. And we had great sessions with uh, the intermediate school district and their techies. And it really improved my learning and and inadvertently helped prepare me for that move to the college better. I mean, without that experience, I would have really been a fish out of water. Uh, But Mark led that charge. So I think if Mark were here, he would say, we need to quit whining. We need to watch the data because he's very scientific oriented. Mm -hmm. And I think he would really listen to guys like Fauci, you know, in terms of trends. You know, I heard him uh, this morning on a podcast. He's saying, you know, Labor Day, we could really see a spike, and I think Mark would listen to that, and he would be prepared if there were a spike. Right. Now, Carlton's back in session today. I think they're starting online for two months, and then they'll ease into some sort of hybrid. Yeah. And Mark would have been fine with that, I would think. But he he was also pretty resilient. I don't think he would say, oh, we got to stay home. He would be out and about.
0: He was always, like, progressive as far as the reading the book with the Kindle and, like, reading the books without the books, you know, and all, like, what are you... What are you, the like, first ones you know what I'm saying? Done. Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. are you, gonna, you know, you you know, but it was just, like you said, I think he would have probably been eager to take the challenge of being the best online no question. school as far as that would be, you know, my and thing. That's one so.
1: reason we drew so many school of choice during his tenure, both at the high school and in the elementary. It basically is
0: a school of choice, of choice. I mean, Still. if you're going to...
1: The you people know. in leadership roles there, like Sarah Coates. I mean, he, he, Sarah is a protege of Mark's.
0: That's the thing. There's a lot of people that I don't know that I come across. These people, Rather, it's a Facebook or at an event I'm out at, and oh, I work for your dad, and they always got a story of this, and he taught me this, and this is that. So it's like makes me feel yeah, good. You think know, think of the
1: outing two weeks ago. How many, how many people were there volunteering that were either teachers or secretaries? Right. Or, right. That's yeah, I mean, it's like, so cool.
0: It's the whole new generation of people that I didn't like don't personally know but you you get those stories and you get those things and that's kind of what i like about all that stuff can i
1: kid you a little bit Yeah, by by virtue of that they sure as heck know you oh yeah
0: well i mean (laughs) obviously everybody you know i mean for good and bad reasons i was just at a i got back into playing softball this year and obviously you know mark mckenzie yeah oh yeah his son is of he's there. I mean he must be 20, I would assume, yeah. somewhere in there. But anyway, we were playing all those youngsters and I was playing with another team. And I've come over and I said, Oh crap, man. Come over. I was like, oh man, I'm for I said, all right, guys. So these kids were like playing fast pitch softball <laughs> or baseball with a slow pitch softball and like doing curves. And I was like, Oh crap. I seen you guys last week. I was like, take it easy on us. So they were just like it was like 30 to nothing after three innings and we had to play all seven of them. So I was like, oh man, well, the only thing I got left now is I can't run faster. I can't be younger. I can't be better than I am because I'm old and I'm going downhill. All I can do is just talk more junk than everybody. So I just really ramped up the junk talking and they like kind of got a little nervous and the kids <laughs> didn't know like about serious, I was only messing around like just getting it. You know, that's all I got left. I got to try to find a way to win. I'm not going to stop trying even though we're down by 40. But then I, they walk by and there's Mark and Amy. And I said, oh, what are you guys doing? here and they said oh our kid i said oh damn i should have known i was yelling at somebody's kid you know but it's just funny like you know i mean that's just people know like yeah i get a little wild but i mean oh well by it feel like raising your kids in our time would probably be i mean you've seen all the education grow i mean you've seen well you started what 74 yep. so you've seen basically three generations four generations now i yep. guess you get in the 2000s of students yep so i mean they changed but they're the same i mean the same yep. Granted, you know, we will have whatever where back in our middle school, we may have been passing notes and you get in trouble for sliding a note and reading it in class, mm-hmm. where now you may get in trouble for having your phone, yep. but it's the same, it's the same thing. I don't know like how to tell my daughter what to be other than just be ready. It's sad to tell her like the, the like our conversations are when I was 10, I could go down from where we lived on Stoker. I could drive down to my grandma's house on Oakview. Yep. As long as I called when I got there, I'm here. All right. Call when you leave. I could go to the park from there. I could go anywhere, back, drive around. I wouldn't I wouldn't let her go f- around the block now by herself without me having to go out and watch her. Yeah. And I always feel like I'm being an overprotective parent, but I talk to all my friends and they're all the same way. Where we all grew up the same way as just be home by dinner time. Yeah. Be home before we have to get worried and you're okay. And now I you can't I don't know. It makes me sad, but it makes me but it makes me happy because like you worry about the computers and the screens but i tell you what would have been a mess for these kids if they had to go through this quarantine and the oh. shutdown without having their facetimes or their classes on the internet maybe they didn't want to do learning but to see everybody and to yeah. be like okay everybody's okay we're all just at home you know and everybody's going through the same thing together. yeah that's what i mean like yeah. she's 10 and i can tell her but uh-huh. it doesn't mean she understands she probably goes to bed at night like what the hell is my dad talking about because i try to be upfront and honest yeah. well i don't want to say my parents weren't honest or my parents generation my parents generation wasn't honest but it was more like this is how you do it yeah. and this is how we're gonna do it yeah you know what i mean which isn't a bad thing but it was more like uh wasn't like an open like i wasn't my first reaction when i did something bad wasn't at first to go run and tell my mom or dad it was like oh crap how can we not let them find out about this right it wasn't how can they help me and that's kind of how i want to be a parent that's how i got to be better at that because my you know i'm you know you're emotional and stuff you want to remain calm sure. there Keep
1: well i'm sure i'm sure you're very peace, effective you know? at because you you're, you've identified that and i would i would put out there this theory and that is i think perhaps me and and you we, we were a little slower to be exposed or to grow up
0: yeah yeah you know
1: we were we were maybe isolated or sheltered i don't know what the right word is but it was a slower aging process Today, fast forward to today, kids are exposed to a of a lot more, oh, quicker, I mean, you can, you can... and so you've got to be more collegial and cooperative as a parent and less authoritative. Yeah.
0: She knows more about stuff than I even know because she sees it before I do because I'm not looking, you know, I'm not seeing what she's seeing. And... Exactly.
1: And it's not because she's looking for it. It comes at her. Yeah. It comes at her.
0: Obviously, I was raised in education. My dad loved education. I understand education. I have so many friends that are teachers and everything, so I don't. I love it. I love all teachers. I respect it, but I don't see school like I don't feel other than the interactions with like my peers helped me for life at my time in school because all the teachers I had were on their way out, didn't want to be there, didn't like the way things didn't want to have computers, didn't want to have new things. They wanted to do the old way. And they just wanted to get their time in to leave. But now you have teachers that like I mean, you talk to guys like Nate and yep. teachers that are coaches and I know some out here that are just love what they do and they want to like teach kids and there's not so much courses i mean there's a home at course here i know after i left there was like a um the um, habitat at carlton they were building houses so that that kind of stuff is helpful but as far as like i had no i would have never thought about catering or a job in restaurant business or anything like that back when i was 16 17 or 18 all it was was you got to go to college well i don't want to go to college well i I have to go to college because if I don't go to college, my dad's going to be disappointed. Well, if I go to college and I drop out of college, my dad's going to be disappointed. My friends were the same way, just went to college yeah. because if you didn't go to college, people were going to be like, Haha, you ain't in college, what are you doing with yourself, you know?
1: So that's why I think the vocational knowledge that was passed two years ago was a huge step forward for our county because it really does open up those career pathways that may involve college but not
0: necessarily. But to explore them anyway, maybe you're not going to go train to fully be an electrician or to be a cook or to be a broadcaster, but you can explore that option by you're going to learn about it for a week. You're going to go to the radio station. You're going to go to this restaurant and see this manager, GM. I mean, that might've been helpful. I don't know. I can't say anything would have been helpful because when you're a teenager, to be honest, you don't listen to anything. Hindsight is my biggest learning tool of my life. I mean, that's for anybody you make a mistake you learn from it and that's you gotta
1: learn from it and, and grow from it and not repeat it
0: and that's the biggest old school thing i've learned from having an old school like i I felt like i was like you were talking about raised like not not so much sheltered but like i could you people couldn't see you do it cuz you cuz you your, your dad's a principal so your kid can't you can't do that or yeah. not that you can't but like you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and it's just it's just how it is and it's the same way with the kids that I the, Principals, kids, now in the schools. It's the same. Like, I, I wanted to go to public school out of St. Joseph's from like second, third grade. I couldn't until my dad, until I was through or my dad was teaching because they didn't want me starting in that because of kids, whatever. It never it, it never was an issue for me, you know, because I picked on myself and made made the jokes before people could at first. So that's just how it going. My dad was always a pretty reasonable guy, so he didn't do anything unfair. So the kids never, it wasn't like my dad probably thought it was going to be. Him being the strict guy, kids were going to hate him. They were going to want to beat me up. And that's how my middle school was going to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it was, he was fair and kids even that Probably wanted to, like, the kids that you thought would still respect it because he was fair and honest and gave them a shot. Kids of this day that I don't even know that graduated after my brother, that graduated whenever, still say, your dad was the one that told me to do this or do that, and, yeah, I mean, I just ramble on this thing a lot. No, but, but you're right. My daughter, the other day, she missed two assignments online, and her first response was, I didn't see him. And then it was like, you didn't see him, you saw all the other ones. Well, I didn't get them. Well, you got all the other ones. Well, I didn't get them on time. Well, no, stop, okay? You didn't do it. Just straight up own it. You didn't do it. You're going to do it, and you'll try to do it on time next time. That's all you can say. And yeah. and that's what I like. That's where I am at. I mean, I've been my time as a kid making excuses and whining, but it served me as an adult to where the biggest thing comes in the way, and I just, I'm not going to whine about it. I'm going to try not to get angry, you know, which is a big thing. I'm not, like, angry like violent angry but just like turned up inside and then try to move forward with the plan to just change from it you know let's take this time to hear a quick word from one of our sponsors too many people to feed no damn time to do it call Mr. J's catering 989-493-0440 Mr. J's catering makes your party pop Welcome back to the Chilling with Mr. J podcast. Looking back now, if I would, if I could go back to myself at that time, I, what I would probably honestly do is I would take the littlest amount of college you can to be some kind of teacher, and I would get into coaching. I wanted to. A few years ago, I tried reaching out to help some teams, but I was just beyond that point of being a, a coach. You know what I mean? Like, you just it's too late, past that. So I just was like, eh, forget it. I'm gonna just work on teaching my daughter what I know about sports and just enjoying them as far as wanting to coach and try to worry about coaching kids and doing this. It's not. Charles Barkley, famous quote I'm not a role model. <laughs> okay, that's, <laughs> I just think of that as the best way for me to describe it. Like, I'm a leader because I'll take charge and I'll own up to everything and I will take us to failure if I have to and be the front of it if it's what's right. But, I'm not one that, like, a, like don't be like me is what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't want my daughter. To... I always tell her, don't be like me. You know, learn from me. I mean, I've shown lack of respect many times in my life as far as getting a little worked up or loud or whatever. But you always make it right somehow by, right, you know, right, my right. bad or whatever or whatever. You learn from it. That's pretty normal. We've you know what I mean? But everybody just wants to now ramp it up more, ramp it up more. I'm sure you probably don't pay attention. But, like, you, oh, I can't even cool. have TV5 on my scroll feed because there's a... 78 comments of people just trying to start arguments with other people over who cares man like the guy's hat that's holding the puppy in the video of puppy adoption like i mean it's just amazing to me that people want to argue like this where i find myself to be an angry guy and i don't want to argue like i want to i'm trying to find like you see this place is trying to be most calm place i can be i can work i can cook i can go play ping pong i can Hop a shot, I can have friends over, I can come in here. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know, I mean, I don't know how you teach people to try to be calm as far as... Well,
1: I think it's balance, and we all have to find it our own (laughs) way, I'm not going to say it's this way or that way, Mm -hmm. but it's balance, and I think it's civility and respect, mutual respect, wanting everybody... Life is not a zero-sum game, where if you win, I lose... We can both
0: win. I mean, we can both lose.
1: We can both lose. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I, I mean, we've got to somehow get that feeling that we're in it together. Yeah.
0: And as far as winning and losing, who determines what winning is exactly. for you or winning is for me? It could be, I could be winning already. You could have won, yeah. or I could have lost three times, and you could still have not even finished. You know what I'm saying? Like who? Know, exactly. Who determines where the where it is? I don't know. I mean, exactly. And people just don't realize that.
1: I've got faith on people. I think overall, I think that the pendulum always swings back and forth. And I think the pendulum's going to swing back. I think there's going to be a need for us to pull together. Maybe COVID has brought that Um, about. I've seen a lot of people rallying together over COVID, helping each other. Look at all the food drives. Look yep. at all the different uh, testing sites. And these things have popped up out of nowhere. And and I think a vaccine will be uh, developed and distributed yeah. soon. Yep. And I predict that we'll see a lot of pulling together to get the vaccine out to the people that want it.
0: Well, then we, you see that time and time again with anything, not just yep. COVID, but like uh, even something as a devastating hurricane or yep. an earthquake or something sort of like happened. um so-and-so has um, cancer. and Now we're going to have a benefit. And you see the community rally around them or, you know whatever it may be or the if you could have something for johnny needs to play football but he can't afford equipment in a matter of Boom. hours you would have more than enough for a team to play football yeah. which is the great thing about people coming together like you said i mean I, and i hope that that grows but like you see people like you see people i think i think people in control see people coming together and they don't want that they don't want people to come together and they want division because what is all you're arguing and all your money for if People are on the same side against everybody, and they're all. And you're on the same side, not for red or blue or right or left. You're on the same side for just right, like just what's good and decent for what's decent in Hemlock, Michigan, right now. And what you should do is not the same thing you should probably do in, let's say, Memphis, Tennessee, or Colorado. I mean, you gotta just be decent for your time.
1: That's a very good point. And I don't, I don't. It's like you
0: can't like make one thing of what's decent or not. That's what I've learned is you just have to try.
1: it's got to be developed
0: and evolved. You can't make it. And what I see and notice the most is not in kids because most kids generally, up until teenagers, are all nice yeah. unless their parents are total assholes, and then they are going to be that insane. But most kids are generally caring and they share with other kids, and they they don't want to be like that. In a few cases, but what I notice more nowadays than anything is high school kids are together. They're friendly. They're not mean to each other. They're not. Like when I was in school, we were friendly and we got together, but you, it wasn't, it wasn't like a easy going, like you had to watch what you're doing because someone would make fun of you and you would be the laughing joke for the whole year. I don't know. Uh, and I'm sure they maybe still worry about that, but it seems like they're not, they're more together and not ha ha, but Hey, come here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's, it well, gives, just, it gives me hope in the kids and the kids are going to change the future and they're going to be like, we don't care about your old stupid money nonsense we care about being good to this person here and then that person says we want to be good to that person and it's the old corny thing of well now we have hands across the world Mm -hmm. and because you are nice to i'm nice to you you're nice to them you're nice to them you're nice to them you're nice to them them. i think that's how the kids go and now you got these group of kids that are nice to each other my daughter her friends the kids high school kids that i've done banquets for in this whole tri-city area are all polite like we were, All the kids in my day were not saying thank you. There was a few of them, like the ones that were raised by the teachers or raised by the military. Those kind of kids were saying thank you and stuff like that, but not everybody was. Not every single kid says, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And they're polite. They're not. It gives me hope. that
1: I give credit to the coaches and the teachers and the other educators that are working very hard. You see all these anti-bullying campaigns where, you know, don't sit back, step up. And, and it's really working. I'm seeing the fruit of those labors. It's yep. really working. It's not perfect. And there's still room for growth, but it is really, really making a big difference.
0: And, and that's just things like you say, like you get older and you see now I'm 20 years away from it. And bullying, wasn't even considered bullying. really. It was just kind of everyday life and you just kind of got through it. And that's what high school was about, which doesn't make it right, doesn't make it wrong. But it's just to see that, I mean, people are getting smarter. I got an
1: example from my Saginaw Valley experience. And I was slow to kind of catch on to that, but I noticed after, after I'd been there a little while that people would hold the doors open for each other. So, you know, how you're going to, you know, maybe one meeting to another, or one class or another, or whatever. Kids, faculty, everybody would hold the door for the next person. And that habit became part of the culture no. of Saginaw Valley. And it, I think it reflects the genuine uh, nature of pulling together that you're describing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really hopeful. I really do. And
0: that's just the little things that you can't, not that you can't learn, but that's what you learn. That's why maybe not just mom and dad parents, but uh, guidance as far as... Somebody that can teach you these little things as far as holding a door, or shaking, shaking a hand. Like, I, I, my wife makes fun of me all the time because we go any, we go to a game or we go anywhere. I hold the door for something, but no one else is grabbing the door to hold for the next person. Yeah. I end up holding it for like 10 minutes because yeah. I don't want to slam the door in nobody's face right. until I'm eventually like, Hey, grab this because I'm fed up with being nice. Mm-hmm. And that's how, that's where it gets you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just trying to hold the door for, here you go, let this family out. And then everybody rushes while this guy's got the door open and no one's like, Hey, you go with your family who's way up there now. And I'll take the door. No, it's just let me get out of here. And then I got to be like, hey, you know, but that's how I am. I'll go in somewhere and someone doesn't, I'll hold the door and someone doesn't say thank you. I'm like, you're welcome. Like it's maybe it's not the right way to go about it, but that's how I go about no, it.
1: But you're sending a message that, hey, it's, it's, it's not okay to just, you know, say thanks yeah. and, yeah. you know, pull together a little
0: bit. There's a time and a place to be an asshole and be a jerk and have your sense of humor out. I mean, I got a dark, sick sense of humor. You can't just always have that out and every time, but there is times like, you know, and like, you know what I mean? Like you can't. I don't know, like you just have to, people just have to know that every, like, what I was taught about in school, and one thing that always sticks to me as a kid is like America, you learn about America, and you learn about all this stuff, whether these people are bullshit or not, these stories you hear, but what the the common thing is, land of the free, everybody's different, but we're together, that's what I always got from it, and that's what I always seen, you know, people have come at me, because I've talked about Carlton in my day as being the most diverse place I can remember. And it was. People say Carlton wasn't that diverse. Well, maybe it wasn't in the early '90s, but in the in the end of the '90s, it was. It was. It was
1: like a microcosm of America.
0: Like my friends were everybody, and I didn't have like it wasn't. There was no tension as far as racial tensions. I mean, there was people tensions and all that stuff, but there was none of that in the school. At least I don't remember. it. I got along with everybody, and no one ever. It wasn't. I don't remember it. I just. I. That's how we all were all raised. Just that you're. You're based. You like people based on how they treat you, not what they do.
1: I agree with your point. I would just add one more dimension to it, Jay, and that is because we were so heavily school choice that we really—and your dad helped lead this. Your dad was high school principal at the time. We took we took uh, the stance that once a school choice kid came to Carleton from wherever, they were a Cavalier, and it didn't matter what their zip code was, and that attitude spread. And it really, really worked. So, not only did you have diverse kids by race and gender and all that other stuff, but you had diverse kids from where their home zip code was.
0: On um, Primo, I talked to him and he said the same thing. He said, School of Choice started for me and it was we didn't have a home. We didn't feel like we had a home at Arthur Hill or Nouvelle or wherever we were. And then we came to Carlton as this other place, which turned into now their home. Like, I wouldn't think of Primo as anything other than a Cavalier. That's right. Through and through, no other where he, and I didn't even, I honestly, until I talked to him on here, I didn't even know he wasn't from Carlton. I thought he was just like Matt, you know, just yep. Carlton kid, you know? So, and I was like, oh, see, there you go. That's a perfect example. I always donate to stuff and to golf outings and stuff like that. And obviously, my dad's is a different story because it's my dad, but like the other ones, I don't know if that is a way to, like to, to actually do something helpful. I mean, it does to put your name out there and to help this cause to get more prizes, but like it doesn't change anything. So that's what I'm trying to figure out is what I want to do. I was talking to um, a couple of, the, one of the Carlton teachers, the, one of the younger teachers over there. I wanted to do a, I know my, ba- my dad was like into like kids having stuff. That didn't have stuff because I know he, you know, he's always out there talking to the kids, so you'd see the kid that wouldn't come in with the gloves, so he'd get him the gloves, or the kid that didn't walk in with the hat or had just the two sweatshirts on. So, what I want to do is I want to start something I don't know how to, to get going, so you can probably help me with this. So, I want to do backpacks for back to school, fill a backpack not just at Carlton, but where they're needed. I want to get some teachers from Carlton, from these schools where you have problems with kids that don't can't get enough stuff for school, and and that's what I want to do. Something like that. Not for me to to know anything, but just I want to know that what I'm doing helps. Me giving $500 pasta bar to somebody doesn't really help anything other than give $400 maybe more to that cause or whatever it raises for that cause, but it doesn't make me feel like I help any.
1: Well, if you You do a backpack, say, whatever's in the backpack is going to be with that kid. It's not going to go away. That's what I'm saying. Like if it's a pencil or
0: yeah right and then you know someone said well, a big thing even more backpacks because nowadays schools and teachers are buying all this stuff not that they don't still need it but they said sweatshirts and coats yep. is even more than backpacks because mostly kids will have a backpack but they don't have anything to you know they don't have a coat or something i, I don't trust any organizations that much i don't not that i don't trust them but it's just like i want to do all my own stuff like I, I worked for people my whole life and i never felt I would tell some of my ideas, and this is what I want to do, and next thing you know, they would either try to do it without me, or they would not care and not want to move on in my best interest, so I just learned, if you're going to do it, you'd be in control, so now I'm in control of where I work, how many times I want to work, what I work, what I do, and I'm not going to stop there, I'm going to be in control of everything. You know, you're I want to, an entrepreneur, that's you know, great. I just want to be, in, I don't care, I don't, I'm not trying to take over the world, but I just want to be in control yeah. of my own fortune and my own future. I don't want no one else to tell me, yes, we're going to open this restaurant in three years and you're my guy. Just ride it out with me. Mm-hmm. And then I ride out a year and a half and nothing's moving. And then you're like, what's going on, dude? And then I wasted three years waiting for this to be my chance when I missed making my own. That's my own fault. But that's where I'm at now is like, you can't wait. Go make it. I met the right person with this building and I my hustle and not stopping, and my, I, my only goal is to make people happy. I don't have any complaints on the internet yet, and I don't plan to get any. And that's what's got me to new experiences of people coming to me now. Hey, we can't serve food for this. Do you want to take over our venue here? Do you want to do this? Yeah. So now I'm leading myself to options, which makes me proud. It makes me sad, though, because the only person I really want to make proud. You know what I mean? Like, if if he was still here, I don't think I would be where I'm at. Exactly. Does that make any sense yeah, too? I'm not saying good. I wish. I I'm not saying I don't wish that he no, wasn't around. But, but I'm saying paradox. There's but am that's what I'm saying. That's I don't paradox. I just call it just pure karma. Yeah. Like, yep. Like not as, was it is wasn't a me or him situation, but like he he did stuff up to his life, left a legacy. There's people that you know what I mean. What did I, if I died? What would happen? I'd be like, oh, the principal's kid died. Not that that that's the only thing, but you know what I mean. Like that's kind of where I was like, like okay, I gotta do more. And I, can, I don't need to feel sorry for myself because I failed out of school or I couldn't afford to go to cooking school. I just go do
1: it. you know. Well, let me say this. If, if you want to pursue something like the backpack, I'd be glad to help yeah. you. On the side. Help you any way I can. I'm not looking for anything other than just helping to yeah. serve. Just what I hear you say. And like you I said, all
0: I want to do is fill up the backpacks. I just need to know who to talk to. And I just want to drive around in my van and hand them out and just be like, Mr. Jay's a but Mr. Jay's a I didn't know that. When I was in fifth grade, he gave me a backpack. <laughs> didn't have anything. And that's, like, what my uh, people tell me from my dad. Like, not that they gave him something, but, like, they were like, fuck school. I was pregnant, you know, in high school. I was like, fuck school. I hate school. It's stupid. And your dad told me that's not a reason to quit. That kid, you know, and it, maybe they didn't finish school, but it's something they thought about after and went back to finish or something they still keep with them to be better because of that and that's that's just you know i mean that's what i think about when that happened and that's what leads me to doing this where it's a podcast or i don't know 60 people listen every week and it's just me spilling my beans and i've talked to some people i talked to you i don't know what it's going to be about i babble more than anything but it makes me feel better Instead of going on Facebook and posting a vague comment about something that's bothering me where it gets people worked up or people think I'm worked up about it where I'm not. It's just a vague comment like that. I can come out here and talk about it. And if you you get into the first two minutes and you're sticking me, you can turn it off and not worry about it. But I still feel better. And we'll see where it goes. That's just, you know, it's, I, mean, I want to do my own commercials and stuff. So that's kind of where it is. I just want to be my own thing out here. You know, I want to have my own hilltop hideaway.
1: I commend you for it. I think it's great.
0: And I commend you for always being, you always are supportive. Like, I know you're friends with my dad and all that stuff. And But you didn't just seem that way with me. You seem that way with everybody. Like, you cared. You know, and that's, some people come off insincere like they care. And I've dealt, my dad taught me one thing, is there's politics. Like, you got to play the game. You may not agree with this game that you're having to play right now, whether it's this coach hired or you don't agree with this class or Whatever it was in the education politics along the way, he told me sometimes you got to bite the bullet. And that's another place where we always disagree because I never wanted to bite the bullet. I'm dodging the bullet and I'm taunting the bullet. You know what I mean? That's my that's where our personalities differ as far as there's a lot of likenesses where people always know who I am without knowing who I am just because of our mannerisms, how we talk, how we look. But that's where we differ is I, he kind of could play the game and if I would have played the game, I probably would be looking at where I'm at now at 25 rather than 40. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it makes me proud to know that I can still do it with,
1: you Now I would suggest about your dad. Your dad is like a very, very skilled coach. He could take whatever group of kids or a group of teachers, or he was a colleague for me. He could work with me that way. A couple of stories about your dad. I remember I, he would he would call my office, and typically he, he typically he'd say, all right, I, I got to give you a heads up about something. First thing, I respected the hell out of that, because I didn't like to be blindsided, and I all know man. he didn't either. And then he would say, all right, I got this, and he would describe the context of whatever this was. And it might it might not be a big thing, or it might be a big thing. He would say, then, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you consider? And it might be, would you place a call? Would you help set up a meeting? And I always said, I always came through. And then vice versa. There were times I'd call your dad up and say, "Martin, I got a mess. Can you come down? He he might be in the middle of something, Jay. He always came down. Yeah. And it, it, as I said at, at his funeral, and it dawned on me in prepping for the funeral, there was never a major decision that I could remember that I had to face that he wasn't in the room. He was always in the room. And, and the irony is the decision might not have been about his building. It might have been a bigger decision. Like he was in the high school for a while. It might have been something in the elementary uh-huh. middle. But I trusted him, and he trusted me and we were able to sound off to each other and we were able to i think really make some good decisions because of the synergy.
0: Right. And
1: and so your dad was like a really really good coach and maybe that's the process you're going through as you mature, as you learn, as you make mistakes and grow from them. That may be what you're going through in a, in a different different pathway maybe but a similar pathway. Yeah.
0: And like I said I didn't know like I didn't know as much as I learned from him until after it was too late to say I learned it. Like I, I knew, I processed it as I was going, but it was like, uh, you know what I mean. Like, you, you you take it in, and you're like, okay, my dad doesn't want me to do this, so you just don't do it, so you don't get in trouble. You don't really process it yeah. until it's until you're sitting there for a week, and then you're sitting there after just everything, you know. And then your whole life rushes through. head. then you actually process these things? And like, damn it, I learned so much. Like owning up to it. Yep. So many times with him, even. As a youth, like in my teenage years, getting trouble with whatever it may be as a youth, you know, if it's drinking or partying or whatever you do, I was always the one to own up. Or we got busted at my my friend's house. My friend's parents never got a chance to let my dad know because I went right home and said, hey, you're going to get a call from so-and-so. We did this. I messed up. I think there was always a respect like, well, I think he actually knows he did wrong. Now we'll see if he'll learn from it. I mean, I got yelled at for mouthing off or doing this and go to your room for an hour or something, obviously, but like it was never like, it was always a thing because I think I learned that you just and that's what I tell about you know you own you own up to it because if you're gonna back away, no one's gonna want you to tackle it. No. So I mean, well, I thank I mean I thank you for coming out and talking. Well, but,
1: thank you. I, I feel honored uh, to come out and great to see you. So proud of you. Thank you. And, and your brother too. You know, Matt's got a great family. You've got a great family. It's just it's neat for an old guy like me see you, quote, kids grow
0: into the adults that you are. I end my show with I usually shoot the ball in here, but I've never had no one in here. And I don't do very good, so I'm going to be a good teammate. I'm going to pass the ball to you All to right. take the final shot over there. You can't do a granny shot. You know, I could, I could, dunk, on I could dunk on that. You, you might be able to, but we don't, yeah. we don't have insurance. I'm not sure if I... see. First you know, one, oh, that was just a warm-up. Yeah. That's how I usually shoot it, though, so don't feel bad. Oh, yeah, there's a the no. sound that we need. One more there. it's it's the ball's hard is what it is yeah that's that's just like me though well thank you dr douglas sir thank you i'll pass the ball back awesome that was fun if you would like to have some fun, you can call the Chillin' with Mr. J hotline at 989-372-6169. Anything goes, any questions, anything you want, maybe you want to chill, give it a call, talk some shit. You can also follow all the Chillin' at chillin' underscore with underscore Mr. underscore J. That's chillin' with Mr. J and all the fucking underscores on Instagram. To find all the new podcasts and to catch up on all the old podcasts, you can find the Chillin' with Mr. J podcast on podbean.com, Apple, and Spotify. And just remember, if you catch me on the court, I'm probably going to mess around and get a triple-double. Swaggy. Oh, Boom! <coughs> this is the Mr. J Underground Podcast Network. Peace out!
1: Better call me back, sucker.